So here's the question I want to ask you is this. And this is interesting. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? Keep that up. Are you willing, because that's a big question, are you willing to what? Evaluate your politics. See, a lot of, when you see the platforms, they all got God in them. They all got Jesus in them. Even if it stands against what Jesus stands for, Republican, Democrat, Independents, Libertarians, they all write in. They all involve God. It's all a mission from God. But God didn't call you and I to a political platform. Quiet in the Holy Ghost Church. I wonder if it's this quiet in your house right now. And by the way, most Christians cannot filter their politics through their faith. They filter their faith through their politics. So here's what I want you to realize. This is the next, next question here. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Woo. Well, would you deny Christ? No, shoot me. I'll be a martyr. Okay, we'll see. Are you willing to follow Jesus even when that requires you put space between you and your political party. Will you follow Jesus even when it requires you to put space between you and your political party, your party's platform, and your party's candidate? Most Christians can't do it. We see it on social media. We see it in conversations. And, and, and what I want you to realize, anytime that I put a party platform before Jesus and his word. Oh, isn't that what we are, right? Isn't that, isn't that who Bethel is? We're to love unconditionally, right? What are we? We are to uh, love, what is the, huh? No, not that, not that, our, our, our whole, yeah, the four Bs. Are, are we, uh, well, what's the first one? Help me with I know it's love. Somebody say it. Belong, that's it. Are we going to belong? We're going to love someone just as they are, as we think they should be, or as they think they should be. Thank you for your help. I couldn't quite hear you. People on the couch saying, Belong, stupid! <laughs> Slap him if he said that. Anyway, so, belong. Place where, what, where you are loved and accepted as you are, not as you think you should be or anyone else thinks you should be. Believe in what? Jesus and his word. Become who God designed you to be, who God purposed you to be. Build the kingdom of God, or what? Make a difference wherever you are every day in every way. So as I look at that, then if I am doing that, I won't put my party platform above the vision and the mission, because if I do, I'm putting man at the top of my spiritual ticket. I'm putting people and their ideas above my thoughts and what my eternal destiny is and what my eternal purpose is on this planet. Jesus saw division coming. Look with me in John 17. Jesus saw division coming. Now, he didn't necessarily see this particular political season, but he saw what division would do to the church. And in John 17, he prays a prayer. And this is something that early, I mean within a month, maybe weeks of my Christian walk, 
I got in, well, probably a few months in, I got into this John 17, and it rocked me as a baby Christian. My goodness, 40 years ago now, 45 years ago. Goodness, I'm getting old. <laughs> Older, I guess. So, but this, this passage is so critical because he prays this prayer just as he finishes up his final supper with his disciples, right? When Judas betrayed, kissed Judas and all that. And Jesus is praying, and it's right after that final Passover meal, and he begins to pray, and sometimes people call this the, the high priestly prayer, the high priestly prayer. But he prays for two key things, and I'm going to talk about both of them for a few minutes, two key things. And the first thing, Jesus is praying for you and me. He's praying for us. But I'm going to get that in a minute. I won't get into the second thing, and then we'll go to the first one. The second thing that Jesus is praying for is Jesus is making a prayer request to his heavenly Father. Now, think about that. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, made prayer requests. And, and, and even though he prayed for us, as soon as he prayed for us, he makes a prayer request himself for his heavenly Father. And here was his prayer request. Look, here's the first half of the verse. Verse uh, Verse, uh, uh, verse 1 says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. In other words, light up your Son. Make Him seen. Make Him visible. That your Son, what may light you up, may glorify you, may make you seen, may make you visible. Now, the interesting thing is when Jesus is being crucified during this time, what's He referring to uh, is in the hour which Him in which God is most glorified is when you and I would be most horrified. Jesus is saying, light me up, God, so that I can light you up because they're going to crucify me. They're going to torture me. They're going to rip my clothing off and put me up on display naked, beaten. My body will look like a bruise. You won't even be able to recognize my face. They'll pluck my beard. They'll beat me with the, the cat of nine tails, the whip with stones in the end of it, and peel each layer of my skin off. I'll be hanging naked in front of my mother, my brothers, my family, people I don't know. But light me up so I can light you up. The time in which the Son of God was most glorified you and I, without a doubt, would have been most horrified. So why do we have the authority to go over His Word with our emotions? Because fear is an emotion. I know there's a thing called the spirit of fear, but it's way beyond that. If you were in a spirit of fear, you wouldn't even be here today. You'd be shaking somewhere in an institution or in your closet in your house today. But if you're out looking around, talking and living, you're not as, you're just, fear is a physical emotion. And when you feel, you feel, when you get scared, well, you watch those movies, so you get scared, well, you get your heart going, you get your, you get your mind going, oh, man, you know. What about this stupid commercial with the chainsaws that, that, and you got the, it's like a horror flick, and, and you see these young adults, they're running, oh, where are we going to hide, where are we going to hide? And the one girl says, let's get in the running car, and the other guy, no, stupid, that's obvious, let's go over there in the garage behind the chainsaws hanging. And they're running from the dude with the chainsaw. He's just looking at me. He pulls his mask and he just looks at me. He's like, what a bunch of idiots. I think the devil looks at the church sometimes and says, I didn't think you were that stupid. I didn't think you'd fall for it again. How 
haven't you noticed the last three or the last, I don't know, five elections that I know of have been the most important critical elections if it doesn't go one way or the other, the world is going to end? I mean, has anybody noticed that? You, you know what? You might as well laugh. Because it's like a hurricane, baby. It's, on the la- it's right there on the edge. It's, it's the hurricane coming toward you. The question is, how are you going to deal with it? The question is, what are you going to do with your lemons? You going to make lemonade? What are you going to do whether you get your way or you don't get your way? I got my opinion the way I want it to go. See, you can believe and pray, but, but you don't have to agree. None of us agree with everyone's political platform. None of us, there's not a, I don't agree with Republican platform all the way, but I agree with some things. I don't agree with the Democrats some, on, on a lot of things. I, I agree with some things. The same way with the Libertarian or anything. Libertarians like conservative finances and stuff. I could find something to agree with everyone on every platform, but I could definitely find a lot that I don't agree with any platform. So I am a Christian that votes. I am not a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent that's a Christian. You have an unfair advantage as a child of God. Let's drop down to verse 11. Drop down to verse 11. It says this. She beat me there. Good job. And Jesus said this. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. He says, Father... I'm getting ready. To, I'm going to be out of here. You're going to light me up. I'm done. I'm finished. And, I'll, you know, we know the doctrine later on. He gave a handoff to Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, and he came to the earth, right? And then look at the very next part of this verse, verse 11. He said, I will remain. This is the first half I just read. I will reign in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, look now. Look now. Protect them. Does anybody believe he can protect you? Yes. Protect them. What? By the power of your name, the name you gave me, what? So that, so that. In other words, for the purpose of the protection, and this is what I want to get to. He said, protect them, not so that they wouldn't be persecuted. If that was the case, Paul would not have been beheaded. If that was the case, Peter would not have been crucified upside down. If that was the case, Stephen would not have been stoned. You're never going to be called to a ministry, or live in a, on this planet without persecution. You're never going to live here without pain. You're never going to live here without sorrow. But if you have the right perspective, you can find the joy in it. You can find the victory in whatever is thrown at you. And whatever is thrown at you, you will become stronger. You will become wiser. You will become a greater influence because you don't run from the battle. You run in the battle because you know at the end, you win the war. He's not praying here for our physical protection. He's not praying that God take us out of this. He's leaving. He wants God to take us out of this. No, here's his prayer request. See what it is here. He said, I will remain in the world no longer. What? But they are still in the world and I'm coming. And by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we want. So here it is. Here it is. He's not, in, he's not leaving and asking his father to protect us by the power of our name that he gave him. Look now. But he is leaving us here, and he wants God to protect so that they may be, everybody say one. At home, say one. So that they may be one. What? 
as we are one. I mean, Jesus did not have a casual relationship with his heavenly father. Jesus had an intimate relationship. He would just peel off from all the people. The reason he went on the mountain was not because he didn't want people to hear his prayer. He wanted one-on-one time with Abba, with Dada, with Daddy. Man, an intimate relationship. He said in different places, I've come to, to perform every word you give me. I don't want to do anything, God, that, Daddy, that you didn't say for me to do. I want to do everything you've told me to do. I don't want one word to drop from your mouth, to drop from your mouth to drop to the earth undone. He's totally determined to his father's purpose. He was totally loved, and he was loved so much that, that he was willing to give his life for his father's purpose. For God so loved the world that what he gave his only, it didn't say the son gave his life. John 3, 16. Said he loved so much what? That the father gave his only begotten son. So that we wouldn't be condemned, but that we might be what? Saved. What's he saying? In other words, Jesus is still living it out. He said, Father, take me out as you take me out. Light me up so I can light you up. And then the other prayer, Father, protect them to always be one. Two is division. One. To be one, what? As we are one. One above what he was dealing with on this planet. Even one above what was going on in earth when they kicked Satan out of heaven. In heaven, when they kicked Satan out of heaven. Let uh, them remain one as we are one. So the very thing, the final prayer, the final prayer, if Jesus was here, this is what prayer he'd have you pray if he's talking to you, counseling you personally, which the Holy Spirit does that if you listen. The Word speaks that. He would say, pray for unity. Now, unity doesn't mean we agree on everything. Well, I can't be in unity with someone that doesn't agree with me. Well, then you don't understand what unity is. Unity is when I come into agreement even through indifference. We can be unified toward that name that's above every name. We can be unified toward his purpose that we are to light up God, that we are to light up so we can be a light to the world, that we can glorify the Father. There's not one of us, including Steffi and I, none of us agree on every issue politically. None of us agree on Every one of us have the same favorite color or the same favorite animal, like French Bulldogs versus, you know what I'm saying. So I'll go over here and say that, like French Bulldogs. And, said, and then Parker and Gabby said, amen, because we're going to team up, right? <laughs> Mama is outnumbered. Pray for her. Well, pray for us because Mama, you know. She's like, oh, Lord. So, so we're never going to be in unity about all things. But we can be in unity about one thing. We can love one another unconditionally. Even if the other purchases a French bulldog. We can love one another unconditionally. With no condition. Even if someone votes Republican, we can love unconditionally. Even if someone votes Democratic, we can love unconditionally. Even if someone doesn't vote, it's harder than either one of the previous two, but we can still love unconditionally. You see, I can't pray for unity until I first love with no conditions. But when I can love with no conditions, 
then I can walk in unity. And we as children of God have a unity, right? We are brothers and sisters. We are eternal sons and daughters of God. And we are here for one person. What? One person, God. One purpose, God's purpose. That we can light him up so he could win the lost, the broken. I'm tired of doing or being participated in people I love's funerals that OD or commit suicide. We can't break that spirit, people, if we're not in unity. I'm tired of seeing people walking around in depression and, and, and living an angry, miserable life and no relationships because they're so concerned about the world, but they're not concerned about their own heart. You see, if you take care of your own heart, you might get a proper perspective of the world. But if you walk around angry and upset or one little thing flies you off the handle, then there's something there that there's some pain there. Pain means accurate arrangement of things. It's showing you something's out of order. Order means accurate arrangement of things. If you didn't have any pain, you could, as you've heard me say, you could be on a beach by yourself, no one there, walking down. You could cut the bottom of your foot and then, Five minutes, you could bleed to death, and you wouldn't even know what happened. You'd just feel weak and fall over. Without pain, you wouldn't know you had an injury. Without pain, we don't even, not only do we know, not, not know what's wrong, but without pain, we don't even know when something's right. And, and pain, uh, uh, when you stand for things that are right or, or you're doing the right thing, you can't judge it by how much the struggle is or how much the pain is. Or, no, you just judge it by, is it the right thing to do? Is it the right thing to say? But it's not up to me to judge what I feel is right according to what you're right because there's things I've thought over this 40 years of serving God that over 37 years, see, 58, what am I, 40, about 40 years or so, 45 years, I think it is, something like that, anyway, 43. So 43 years that I've served God, there's things, man, that I used to think I don't think anymore. There's the perspectives that I used to have that I would laugh if you tried to put. I pray for people and feel sorry for those that have that same view, the perspective that I had. See, I want everyone to understand my voice to understand. You got to prepare your heart, people. You got to prepare your mind. You got to be on the go. You got to be ready. And you, you got to get, and you can feel some emotion and stuff, but take that emotion and turn it toward love. Take that emotion and reach out and minister to someone else. Take that emotion and feel empathy for someone else. Don't we want empathy when we're hurting? Don't we want empathy when we feel misunderstood? Don't we want empathy when we don't feel heard? It's just like race, right? We realize it's, it's a condition that we're dealing with. It's in our, our, our life. It's around us. It's all the time. People are still facing racism. And, and that we need to have empathy for that. And there's pain in that. And I can't really uh, have enough empathy because I'm a white man, I'm not a black man. But then again, we need to have empathy for our police officers. We need to have empathy for our first responders because they feel the pain of being prejudged too. So what we got to realize, there's bad people on all sides and a lot of good people on all sides, but you and I are not here for ourselves. We're here for everyone to light up so we can light up God and draw all men and women to the cross. You don't get a little award for being right. You don't get a reward for what we call character. We have the wrong definition. We believe characters when you do right and don't do wrong. When you do good and don't do evil. No, character is talking about a structure of something being built. 
The structure. If the structure is strong, it's going to be strong. If the structure is good, it's going to be good. If the structure is right, it will be right and perform the purpose it was put on this planet to perform. And we need character back in the church. We need character because as soon as this election and the last votes counted, if it's Tuesday or three months from then, but when it's finished, and maybe before, maybe before, the next campaign starts. It used to be a year out. Then it's a year and a half out. Then it's two. Then it's three years out. Then it's one day after whatever the election is. It's You hear a barrage the rest of the time. And so if you think that any election is going to bring you peace, even if your side wins, you're wrong. Your faith and hope cannot be in man. Your faith and hope cannot be in a world system. It can be. I'm going to say it can. Our faith and hope needs to be on in the rock. The rock of all ages and seasons. In Jesus and his word. And if we will live by that. That doesn't mean that we don't vote. You vote. That doesn't mean that we don't do exactly what we feel is right according to what the word says. Oh, I'm asking is to filter it through Jesus. And you'll find in all the parties there's not... There's a bunch of stuff that's not of Jesus in those parties. You just got to make the best choice according to your standard of what you believe. And the most important thing is not who you vote for. Listen, get this. Everyone out there, hear me. You need to requote this. It's not in my notes, but it's in my heart and it's in my spirit. The most important thing is not who you vote for or whether you win. The most important thing is the love you show for whoever voted differently than you. The respect you show. The empathy you show. You got to show it. No matter what side you're on. Because you're a Jesus follower. And that's what Jesus did. Is this helping anyone? Sure it's hurting some, but sometimes pain is good. <clears throat> look at it now. Look here. Here's the key. Look at verse 20. What it says. I don't know if it's on the thing there, but I'll, yeah, it is. It's a, see. It says, my prayer, what? It's not for them alone. So Jesus is saying, my prayer is not for just those that believe in me. Right? My prayer is not for the Christians alone. I pray, listen, get this, Democrats. Get this, Republicans. Get this independence. Get this undecided. Get this white, black, brown, Asian, young, middle-aged, and old and older. Get this if you don't get anything. It's not just about you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who what will believe in me through what? There, but who's he talking about? These up here that he's not talking about alone. You and me. Their message. Listen, this is crazy. Jesus had a slightly big vision, didn't he? It was so big, he said in John 14, he said, My, here's what's going to happen. You would only do the works that I've done, but even greater works than these that I've done. Look at that. That all of them become one. Now, you've got to back that up a little bit. Who's he talking? 
Who's he talking about becoming one, people? No! Not talking about you. He talked about you up here. You're half the equation. He's talking about you and the world that does not believe become one. He's not saying you switch your beliefs to the world. He's not saying live like the world and the world standard. He said, but if you light God up with your life like I lit him up and like I was used by him to light up, you will be able to bring more people from the world into the kingdom to believe in Jesus than you ever could imagine. So is your fight to have security and peace and hope and harmony on this planet or is your fight to get as many as people as you can to be one with you in Christ so they can have the same rewards you have in eternity. I mean, is it about you or them? See, when we put our perspective on others, it grows us. It pressures us. It's str- I'm not talking about your belief because there's people under the sound of my voice that have all different kinds of beliefs about politics out there. And everyone has their argument. And I'm not here to referee. I'm not an umpire. I'm a scribe. I'm here to give you what Jesus said. And you can even evaluate that if you want to. And you can twist. Every political platform takes similar words to these and makes it into some issue. And they'll put a third of a scripture or three, you know, three sentences on it or something to make it God. Because they've got to at least get that evangelical vote or that Christian vote if they can, maybe. And that's all parties. Notice now. Their message, all of them. Who's that? You and I and everyone else. All that we could influence for him become one. And here's the difference. Here's the separating, dividing factor. Father, what, what is his... See, you got to look at his definition of oneness. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. So that what? The world may believe that you sent me. He said, God, I want all the, we should, he's not even talking about Christians being one. He's talking about us being in such unity that we can light up and influence others that are not believers to come into unity. The problem is, and hear this everyone out there, the problem is the church is too focused on its own unity. You would never have unity hiding behind four walls or hiding on your television watching your favorite preacher. You only have unity when you have stress. You only have unity when you have pressure. You only have unity when heat's applied and disagreements happen. You only have unity when you don't get it your way, but you love anyway. So what is our purpose for being here? Is it, is it to win a race? Is it to make the nation holy? Now, if God can't make this nation holy, who in the Hades are you to make this nation holy? holy? You're going to make this nation holy. Well, first of all, get the plank out of your eye before you get the two before eye of everybody else's. But other than that, as Jesus said that, other than that, You don't have what it takes, sir. 
You don't have what it takes, ma'am. You don't have what it takes, Republican Party, Democrat Party, Libertarian Party, in between, could be, want to be, someday party. No political system can bring holiness to any nation. Only the hearts of the children of God that are so lit up that others can't resist the Father that lit them up in whatever adversity they face. They don't respect you when you win. They respect you when you lose. They respect you when you have pressure. They respect you when you're bleeding. They respect you when you're in pain. That's when you get people's respect. They respect you. You didn't get it your way, but you kept on, and you kept loving, and you kept believing, and you kept doing the best you could do, and the best you knew that was right. That's what the, the, the mark of Christ is. That's hot. Now, I don't mean to be yelling. I don't want this to come across angry because I am not mad. I am intense for all of you out there and all of you here. I am intense because I do not want Satan to work you over through fear. Look, look what he prays. Let's look down here at the next slide. Here's the reason he wants you to be one, right? I have given them glory, the glory that you've given me. Whoa. Better be careful, O ye. Big word, faith person, or a big holiness, religious person. Be careful. Because glory, doxa, means God made visible or God, God's manifested presence that God is tangible through you he can be seen he can be heard he can be felt through you so the treasure he has given you is not your opinion because everybody has one his treasure in you is not that you're righteous because there's none righteous except through the blood of Jesus Christ his purpose is not to be hopeful because there's no hope without Christ. He is our hope and our glory. I promise. There's no true life without Christ. I remember before I gave my life to Christ, I thought I was living, but I wasn't until I really experienced it. And you can't tell someone they can just kind of catch it from you enough that they want it. The, the, the treasure you have is not your opinion, your ideas, your influence. The treasure you have is the glory of the Father living inside you. Able to do for you and for others what you can't do for yourself. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. What's happening inside me is greater than what's happening to me. You hear it all the time in this house. Where your, inner, where your focus goes, your energy flows. What's your energy? It's been proven scientifically that emotions are from energy. Negative energy, positive, somebody that's you know, down, depressed, somebody's angry, somebody's happy and joyful. Emotions are energy. And whatever I give attention to is what I'm going to own. How about let's give attention to the glory? How about let's give the attention to the Christ that lit us up enough to want us to come to a Father that's lit, lit him up? See, we need to be careful, believers, what we're protecting. I believe in protecting babies. I do. 
I'm going to hit that hard after the election. I, I, I believe in protecting all races. We've been hitting that. We'll continue to hit that. I believe in protecting those in leadership, political office, or police officers as well. I believe, and I'll be preaching about that too. I'll be preaching how we need to protect one another. We need to love and honor those that protect us. I believe in our medical system. I believe in church and church leaders. But none, zero, nada, not one of those come before his glory. If I can't believe and what first lit me up, I will be doing an injustice to anything I try to bring justice to because it will be of man. But if I can come through the same light, the same glory that that did, nothing from hell or in hell can stop me from being the influence and the light Christ birthed me to be. That's a good place to clap right there. <clears throat> Yeah. He said, I have given them the glory that you've given me, that they may be one as we are one. <clears throat> I in them and you in me, so that we are brought in. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Part of what we will do after the election, we're going to take communion. Part of what we're going to do. But I have a message for us, all of us, whether our sides win or not. I have a message, but then we'll take communion together. But if you can't take communion together, then you, you need to rededicate your life. Okay, so anyway, seriously. So, and he says, I'm in them, I'm in you, and you and me have brought so, okay. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to what? Complete. It's a partial unity, splintered unity, unity on 70% or 99%, complete unity. Well, then the world would know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. In other words, there's the scripture for our vision. What? God loves you just as you are, not as you think you should be or anyone else. God loved us before we were born. God loved us before we were born again and died. Jesus gave his life. He loved us so much that if we never accept him, he died anyway. So we would have a ticket if we wanted to punch it. It's one thing to give your life for someone you love. It's another thing to give you your life for someone that hates you and can't stand you and curses your name and love them the same. I think we could learn something from that, church. Look at the next slide. Jesus is more concerned, most concerned what? For their unity. Now, what kind of unity are we talking about? As he and the Father are one unity not political unity. Not political unity. Let me tell you something. Jesus is bigger than any political party. Jesus is bigger than any nation or group of nations or world or legions of devils. It doesn't matter. Jesus is bigger than his own angels. God kicked the angels out that were coming against him. He's bigger than all that. He's not nervous. He's fine. He's not a weak, impotent Jesus that will come back in some effeminate way to just kind of, you know, ooh, kumbaya. The Bible says he will come back with fire in his eyes. doesn't mean he's going to bring fire toward us that are here or those that come back with him. It means that we can handle the fire because that's his glory. When the world can see unity in the church. 
despite political parties, it will be attracted to the church. When your lost loved ones see you're more attracted to Christ than your point of view, they'll love you and Christ more. That's the hope of glory, that you light him up as he lit you up so someone else can be lit up by your flame, your light, your fire. <clears throat> Look, he says, as I've loved you, so you must. Didn't say you could, should, or you know, when you're having a good day. When the election goes your way. <clears throat> when everybody in the church agrees with you. No. You must love one another. You must love as he not, I don't like him, but I love him. That's not love. It's not even really liking. When you love as Christ loved the church, Christ gave his life for his father, father's purpose. That's what love is. <clears throat> We're to be in unity of purpose and his purpose and unified around that purpose with our core. After Jesus' death and resurrection is what? The disciples united for the purpose. Remember, they were fighting, they were jealous, they were envious, they were trying to get one up on each other and one another. But they become united over the purpose. They even still had disagreements. They still had issues. Remember, Peter had the issue with the whole, we would call it race thing now, but he, he had gotten that vision from God to, to go minister and eat in the Gentiles and minister and, and uh, the whole Cornelius' whole house, his business, and everyone got saved in it and baptized and full of the Holy Spirit all the same before he even laid hands on them. And he was so impressed, but when he got back to Jerusalem, he kind of shunned them and stayed more with the Jewish apostles and leaders because he didn't want to necessarily. And Paul called him out. Who the heck are you, Peter? Why are you acting like you don't know these folks now? Isn't it something? God called an illiterate fisherman to minister to the most educated and biblically learned people, the Jewish people, the rabbis, and he called the most learned and educated Paul, who was trained by Gamaliel, the greatest uh, rabbi of all, trained by him to teach and win the illiterate and the lowest in the society. Oh, it reminds me of something. I will take foolishness to confound the wise. Being confounded doesn't mean you're foolish unless you refuse to change and get understanding. But if you continue to live confounded, you will become foolish. Let me help you. Whoever you are, listen to me on social media, whoever, your way is not the way. It might be 30% of the way, 90% of the way. There's only one way, and that is Jesus and only through him and his name and his purpose and his glory can we win. <clears throat> Your candidate, our candidates, are going to win based on how our citizens vote. And it, it just cracks me up how it not cracks me up. Sometimes it makes me mad how people feel like, yeah, our vote is important. I went out and stood in line to vote yesterday, and it was outside the building out through the parking lot, and then this lady come through and say, hey, over to this other polling place that just opened, there's nobody. I got in my truck and drove 15 minutes because I want to get my vote in, but I didn't want to stand there all day, but I got my vote in. Is that important to me? And if I had to stand a day, I would have stood a day because that's my duty to vote, right? God get, put me in a country and gave me an opportunity to vote. I need to do that. But after that, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't carry 150 million votes. 
I carry one. But I can give my one, and I can love the other 50, 60 million that don't agree with me. And I can be a light to them. And I can touch them if God puts them in my life and in front of me. So we, the church, win or lose not based on what candidate wins. We win or lose based on how we treat one another and how we treat the world every day of the year. You know, if you're just mean and nasty because you had a bad day, because somebody said something about your candidate or this or that, and you lose influence with 50% of the people that you know, when you get to heaven, you, you think you're going to win everybody that's just like you? No, you, you're put on this planet to win people that are different than you. People that are not like you. Hopefully you're in line with God and his word and Jesus and his glory. That's who we're here for. We're not here for those that are just like us. We're here for others. We're here for the world. And, and what we got to realize is what are we doing every day? Every day. Every day. At work, at school. Every day. During elections and campaigns and after elections and campaigns. Every day. What are we doing? But my cause is the biggest. Yeah, and so is theirs, and so is theirs, and so is theirs. You got one, you got one, you, you. Everybody's got one. And I'm not making light of them. Some of them are life and death causes. But none, you put all those deaths together, it never equals the one death that was the most important death ever because it's the only one that resurrected himself through the Spirit of God and defeated death, hell, and the grave and gives eternal life to everyone that comes to him. That's the one death that trumps every death. That's the one life that trumps every life. That's the one purpose that trumps every purpose. We must not. Not should. Too many people full of should. Must not. We could. No, too many people full of should. Could and should. We must not allow anyone or anything to divide us. Even though we would probably vote differently, many of us. We, we, we probably focus on different issues that are more important to us. But we have to come into unity over one issue, and that is the same issue that Jesus and his Father came into unity over that brought unity everywhere else. And that's to be lit up so we can light the Father up and bring others to be lit up to him. That's a, if this nation burned tomorrow, if God needed to, he could raise another nation. I love my nation. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I, I support it. I'd die for my nation. I'd, go, I'd do whatever I had to do for my nation. But I would not put my nation before my God. Our nation is based on in God we trust. What we must understand is when we're voting is that we must consider more than the individual. We must consider the party platform. So you, you're not just voting for a person. You've got to look at your, the person you're voting for and the entire platform. And we've got to realize that. But the most important thing, you've got to get before God. You've got to hear what he said. You've got to realize, here's your ballot. Here's the way I look at it. My ballot is my seat. 
I don't have enough seeds to grow a forest, but I have enough seed to grow one tree. And that tree can have little trees and big trees grow. and other. I have one seed that I'm honored to cast. And I'm going to cast that seed. The best of my ability and my knowledge and my wisdom after prayer and hearing God, I'm going to cast that seed. And I'm going to respect everyone else that casts their seed. That's the control I have over this. So we've got to understand our ballot is our seed. And why is that? Here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you to get, before, get still before God before you vote. Look at it as your seed. Get still before God, recognizing that He is God, and I am not. Secondly, inquire of the Lord. What's that mean? When I focus so much on the Lord, that means His opinion supersedes my opinion. When I am so focused on Him, then all of a sudden, and I allow my mind to be renewed by Him and His opinions, they take over and cleanse my opinions. So get before, inquire the Lord, right? To get His opinion, not yours. And then finally, listen for His Word. Listen for what He has to say. You can read it as well in the Bible. I've been sharing His Word with you. Just stand on John 17. Just stand on that Word. And be a light to the world. Romans 8 tells us this. <clears throat> it's important that we do not miss this opportunity. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile toward God. Yeah, but you, 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 you shouldn't support stuff that comes against racists. Yeah, but you shouldn't kill babies. Yeah, but, but, but you shouldn't let people grow up in poverty. Then they kill each other anyway. And we could go back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. All of that's hostile toward God. Because it's not said or done in love. Not that things are not right. Shouldn't be race. Shouldn't be poverty. Shouldn't be killing babies. Shouldn't be. That's all right. But if it's not done with the right heart, the right light, the right influence, your seed falls to the ground and dies. 